Well, hello there. This is Jaya Bino, the host of the J-Man Show, which is on WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston's local community radio station. I want to wish the mothers out there a very special Blessed Mother's Day. Thank you for all you do for us, and hope your day is filled with the love that you all deserve. This is your day, and on top of that, it's also my birthday, 43 now. Wow, time flies. So, so I just want to wish the mothers out there Happy Mother's Day, and that this will be a blessed year for me as well everybody else out there. So, thank you for for your love and kindness, and we have some more shows in store for you. This will be a wonderful year. I got some new guests coming. I can't say it, but it's going to be a good show. So please stay tuned. And again, thank you for your love and your support for my show. Well, hello there. This is the Jamin Show on WBCA. 102.9 FM, Boston's local community radio station. My guest today is, is singer Michelle Brooks Thompson. Hi, Michelle. Good to see you on the show today. How, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you on the show. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. It's such a blessing to see you. And I really appreciate you taking time to, time to meet with me. Um, I've, I've, I've learned about you from your, from your singing. And you're such a wonderful singer. And I was like, wow, this woman's going to go fine. <laughs> Thank you so much. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got started in singing? Um, Well, I think I have the similar story as other um, singers who grew up in the church and started um, under, you know, family choirs, family groups. And so my story is no different. And my mother and her siblings were singers and my maternal grandparents were pastors in Boston. And, um, you know, when I was born, they knew right away that I had a gift. So I started singing at about age five. Um, and it just sort of <laughs> evolved from there um, in a span of a couple of decades. <laughs> oh, I see. Because I saw you also on, on, on American Idol in The Voice. <laughs> How were you able to get into that? Um, so I was on season three of NBC's The Voice and um, winner of Amateur Night at the Apollo. And really The Voice um, happened because I had been singing so much mm-hmm. and talent scouts had, you know, witnessed my singing ability and recommended me to the show for a private audition. And uh, the rest was history. And um, I auditioned for... Um, Oh, gosh. Uh, The Apollo in 2014 and um, made it all the way through to the finals. And I came in second place. And then three years later, the producers reached back out and asked me would I come and do it again. And was it 2017? And I ended up winning um, first place. Well, that's wonderful. And so and so. So I so you were signed to a record label, right? And there's some wonderful albums. Are you working on any projects right now? So uh, <laughs> I've got a, I don't know a catalog of songs, and uh, we just released one um, actually on the 29th called "Then I Met You." Um, my current single "Never Give Up" is out, which is the single of an upcoming album. And so we're just before I can think of the next thing, we're, uh, you know, we've got songs lined up for a full album, which is great. That's wonderful. Are there any plans for a tour? Uh, I would love to go on tour. Um, We're just trying to piece that together. And, you know, I've been having the opportunity to go across 
you know, the country to perform uh, my single. And so whether you call that a tour, in my mind, I think a tour is something else, but, um, you know, getting the opportunity to go and sing it and promote it um, mm-hmm. is, you know, nice in itself. Yeah. And any plans for Tom Boston? I'd love to see your show. Oh, man. You know, um, I was just in Boston <laughs> last night oh, yeah. and uh, did a little impromptu uh, performance. But hopefully that is in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be talking with some people about doing some more shows in Boston um, rather than out this way in, in Springfield and everywhere else. So what inspires you? What gives you inspiration and creativity to do what you do? Well, you know, I always like to share the story of how I grew up Mm -hmm. um, surrounded by music. And when it came time for me to go to college, I had decided that I would not go to school and study music, um, such as my mother did and other family members. And I went to school to be a doctor. And, you know, in my undergraduate pre-med studies, you know, I'm like, I'm done with music. I'm not doing that. I'm good. But music still surrounded me. Like, it was in church. I was, um, you know, playing for my grandfather's church as a um, piano player, minister music. I was singing in choirs in college. I was singing backup for recording artists. So it was part of me. And I got to my senior year getting ready to, you know, look for med schools and things like that. And I just woke up one day and was like, this does not inspire me. Music inspires me. And, you know, I I made that difficult call home to say, hey, uh, there's not going to be a doctor in the family. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to change my major and follow my heart, which my heart said music is my purpose in life. Music is my destiny. And I always think about the movie Sister Act 2 when Whoopi Goldberg is talking to Lauren Hill. And she's like, you know, if all you can think about, dream about is, is singing and whatnot, then baby, you was meant to be, you know, a singer. And that is so true to me because even though I was, you know, studying to go to, you know, med school, be a doctor, my life, when I woke up, my life, when I went to bed, when I dreamed, it was all about music. And so that was what inspired me um, to make the decisions that I did, my love, my, my peace. Um, you know, there's that movie Disney uh, by Disney called, I think it's Soul or something like that. Yeah. And I watched it. Um, and one of the things he talked about was being in a zone, like when you're playing music or when you're playing a sport or whatever your, your thing is, when you're doing it, when you know, it's part of you, you get in that zone. And for me, music puts me in that zone where I feel peace. I feel happiness and it's, it's just magical for me. So that alone, um, inspires me to do what I do. Well, that's wonderful because I'm the same way about my music, you know. So music does, you know, take make me feel special. And if I can touch somebody, yeah. you know. So, so how did COVID affect? Well, um, it was bad on my health mm-hmm. uh, because I did contract COVID nineteen, and it really has altered some things. Um, but I'm just grateful to be alive, even with the you know lasting effects mm-hmm. of COVID, and. Um, 
you know, it actually, when I wasn't sick, um, I was able to perform and do um, performances virtually as towards the end of 2020, when things kind of opened up a little bit, I was able to go back out and do things. But anybody who looks at my calendar will see that I was busy during 2020, 2021, and 2022. You know, I've just been on a roll. So thankfully, you know, it allowed me to still continue doing what I love. So my best question to you is, what is it like to be famous? Oh, gosh. You know, um, <laughs> I do not consider myself <laughs> to be famous at all. And, you know, a lot of my, um, you know, friends and stuff, they'll be like, oh, let me get your autograph right now. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you know where I live. You got my phone number. Like, <laughs> you don't need that. And I just look at it as me um, having this gift that I get to share um, on various platforms that people actually like, right? Because it's like the, you know, you might sing in the shower and think you sound the best and you're ready to be a, a recording artist and all of that. But that's just you. <laughs> and, you know, to step out of that shower and people actually listen to your music, listen to your voice and be like, man, like they've got something special. For me, that is what really gives me joy and satisfaction. I um, do not actually, um, like I said, consider myself to be a celebrity. Um, so take everything that's coming. People want to take photos and all that stuff. Um, I just go with it. Yeah. So what advice can you give singers that want to be a singer? Well, they should be the next themselves. <laughs> Number one, um, because, you know, everybody has a unique gift. And I believe that, you know, there's like, what, over 8 billion people in this world and one person can't reach everybody. So with that being said, I encourage artists to find their own flow, their own lane and do what they feel they were meant to do. And if that's rap and sing, then you rap and sing. If it's just singing, then you just sing, but do it to the 1000th power because that's who you are that was what you were created to do and be in this in this earth the the second thing i would say is um be ready for the no's and be ready for the yeses um be ready for the delays um the setbacks because it's gonna happen and one thing i like to do as an artist is be very transparent about the journey. I don't want to talk about where I'm at right now. I don't want to talk about the billboards. I don't want to talk about anything. I want artists that are up and coming to know that you're going to run into some people, some wolves in the industry. You're going to run into situations that make you want to stop pursuing your passion. And you have to be very sure in your mind that it's something that you want to do because when you come against opposition after opposition that's discouraging and you know it it causes you to rethink do i really want to pursue this or you know do i have what it takes to stick it out and what we see in the media um is all the success that these artists actors athletes all of them have but you never get to see the journey you know, how many tears did you cry? You know, how many no's did you get? 
Um, and that's important because that that's part of like your testimony. And when you can share those things with people, it helps encourage them because they might be going through that. So, um, you know, those are my bits of advice. Just be yourself and, you know, be ready to hear the no's, you know, get excited and celebrate the yeses, but don't stop till you get to where you want to be. That's really, you just got to keep going. And, you know, my song, one of my songs now says, never give up. You're closer to the top. You're closer to the win. So sometimes you might not feel like you're there, but don't give up because you're, you're closer. You're closer than what you were yesterday. You're closer than what you were five years ago. So you just keep going. Have you gone to meet any celebrities since you've been singing? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I've met celebrities. Um, oh, my gosh. Gospel, secular actors, um, you know, behind the scenes, important people, um, film producers. Um, I've, I've definitely met some in my life. And I value their expertise, you know, their um, success and things that they have in their life. So, you know, I always look at it as a um, blessing to meet these people. And I'm at a point now where I'd be like, you know what, I'm pursuing my thing too. And I think a lot of times we kind of um, put ourselves on pedestals against other people. And I've developed the mindset now that I'm walking in the room and people want to take pictures with me, right? I don't care if it's Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey is going to want to take a picture with Michelle Brick Thompson. And you have to be confident in your gift. You have to be confident in your talent and in your own successes because nobody's driving in your lane but you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that's, that's my thought process. You also want to act in movies and I, I do have a desire to get into that, and I've done some stage plays, and I enjoy doing that. Um, a lot of people have said, man, you would be great on Broadway. And I'm like, yeah, I would. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I haven't really made an audition, um, you know, to see if that's something that I really want to get into. Well, hello there. This is the J-Man Show on WBCA. 102.9 FM, Boston's local community radio station. So where do you see yourself, you know, down the line? Yeah, like this is just um, my, my passion. It's my purpose. And, you know, when I get messages from people who say that they heard a song and it inspired them or it touched them or they're going through something and um, the, you know, the voice just gives them, you know, these chills. They can't explain the way that they feel like I can't stop singing. You know, I know that there's something out there that people need that God has placed inside of me. And so I see myself doing this for as long as God allows me to have breath in my body, um, to be able to sing and to make music and share it with the world. You also said you went to college, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, I attended Mount Holyoke College. And when I graduated with my music degree, mm -hmm. I applied to Berkeley College of Music in Boston for their um, performance diploma program. And I got accepted, you know, <laughs> of course. And I chose not to go. 
um, because it was expensive. <laughs> I'm not even going to walk away to a master's degree. <laughs> so before I put out that type of money, you know, I was going to decline. Um, so. Well, that's one of the biggest. I went to college myself. I went, I went to Washington Community College. Yeah, yeah. I um I really enjoyed my undergrad. Um, I attended Mount Holyoke College, which is one of the seven sister schools, okay. and um it was a great experience. And it's interesting because I probably would have went to Berkeley first uh-huh. if I knew I wanted to pursue music. But I loved Mount Holyoke College, and they had just built like this brand new $2 million science building. And I'm like, great, I wanna study science anyway. So I'm gonna go there and it's all women. And I just think that's fantastic. And I was 16, I graduated high school in three years. So I was 16 years old going into college. And so my family was like, you're not going away far, far, far away anyways. So Mount Holyoke was like maybe a 25 minute drive from my, my grandparents' house. So that was where I went and I loved every moment. I'll be able to graduate high school at 16 years old. That's a, that's a major accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess one might say I'm smart or I took on a lot of classes that would allow me to, you know, meet my GPA requirement and my overall um, curriculum for high school in three years. And so that's what I did. Well, that's wonderful. That's that's inspiring. You know. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Would you ever consider running for president of the United States someday? <laughs> Uh, no, absolutely not. You can pay me enough to be the president of the United States because mm-mm, no, no, no. I, that's a stressful job in itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> being a, a female, being a wife, being a mother, I mean, I'm the president over here <laughs> running a few different things in my house. Oh. But kudos to those who can do it kudos to um you know the vice president mrs harris because there's just no way mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely not oh i understand that you know yeah uh, <laughs> how do you deal with racism because it's such a sad thing you know? you know that's a good question um because i perform the national anthem so much mm-hmm. for not only just major sporting events but conventions special ceremonies and I, at one point, a few years ago, I had someone, um, you know, a little cyber bullying um, about me performing the national anthem as a black woman when, you know, Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee and so many other people was taking a knee. And, you know, my look on it is very different. And, and a couple of points, you know, we, we are not singing that full song anyway. Mm-hmm. Number two, anytime these, you know, um, event planners or, or promoters can come and choose a beautiful black woman to come and grace their stages, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think in itself, when you think we're not equal, we haven't come far, we haven't made, we've definitely come far. We're not where we used to be. Granted, there are things that can change, but there are a lot of things that need to change in other areas, you know, like morals and and all kinds of things in society. So racism is not just one, but when I 
you know, get these opportunities. And I'm like, man, they could have called anybody that they wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, but they said, you know what, let's, let's get Michelle Rick Thompson. Mm-hmm. And people are, are blown away. And um, in March, mm-hmm. I performed the national anthem at the inaugural ceremony for the Charlotte FC soccer team. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, during the national anthem performance, the mic, the mic system, something happened where my mic, my sound wasn't projecting to the rest of the stadium, but it was projecting in all the headsets. And at that moment, though, 75,000 people in the stadium joined together and was performing the national anthem. And so I felt very honored to be a part of that moment because it went viral it's now in a, a historic moment where they've identified that as a moment of unity and, and solidarity in the middle of our country with everything going on, pandemic, wars, racism, like all kinds of things. And I'm like, wow, I was a part of that, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I just think that, yes, we're, we're going to have issues with racism because it's all about the heart. It's all about the person. Do I think this world is racist? No, I do not. But there are people, you know, it's just like the the conversation about guns. Take guns away. Well, guns aren't shooting the people. You know what I mean? It's people using guns to kill people. And so it's the same with racism. You know, not everybody's racist. Not every, you know, person has hate in their heart, but there are some. And they do certain things. They're, they're not wise. They're foolish and so because of that their actions their interactions with people you know exhibit racism you know so there's just so much but i've had my encounters before and you know it's made me feel some kind of way i had one not too not too long ago and um was able to have the organization address it with the person that that you know made me feel that way but you know it's gonna happen but I keep it moving. What's that to do in your spare time? <sighs> I'm a mom of three children. I have 14-year-old twin girls and a three-year-old son who thinks he is Michael Jackson. Um, so he loves singing. He loves music. And so I try to balance my time out with them being a mom, then that, that wife hat. But also trying to take care of Michelle, doing things that Michelle likes. You know, Michelle likes to go work out. Michelle likes to just sit and watch TV. You know, I like the Golden Girl reruns. And, um, you know, I can watch those for hours. Um, or just read, you know, news articles, the the Bible, books, anything. Um, you know, that's what I, I, I like to, I'm an introvert. <laughs> Let me just say that. Because, um, you know, when, when COVID, when everything got locked down, it was a dream come true for every introvert in the world because you're like, you're telling us we don't have to go out. <laughs> we don't have to socialize. Okay, we'll take that. Um, so I was loving it, believe it or not. And people were like, you're an introvert, but you're a performer? Yeah, because when I'm not on stage and I'm not performing, I'm comfortable and happy being at home mm-hmm. at my house and just taking my house shoes off and kicking up my feet. So would you ever consider moving to California or Florida? Um, I would love to move to California. 
Um, just because I feel like there's more opportunities out there that I want to take advantage of. I am not a fan of the winter. My favorite season is fall, a little bit of spring. Um, but in New England, as you know, it, our seasons can vary because yesterday it felt like October. And, um, but I, you know, I would definitely be open, not Florida. I lived in the South before, but California, I, I definitely move out there. Okay, so so what is it about Florida that you don't like? I, it's just never been a state that I've been, like, dying to go to. Like, I've gone there for Disney with my kids, um, went there in college, but it's just never been a state where I'm like, oh, I want to move there. There's opportunity there. I always see it as a retirement spot. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, we're going to be a snowbird. We're going to leave New England and go to Florida. I hear you. I guess I understand, you know. Plan to move to California anytime soon. I mean, oh my gosh, I can start a GoFundMe. Um, move to California. Um, I, you know, I don't know because, you know, when you own a home, you got to sell the house, buy a new one, and all that. And that's not something you can do overnight. Mm -hmm. um, so it has to be a really thought out process of, okay, let's set a target date. Let's start, you know, working towards that. But um, we'll see what the future holds. So what, what do you think the future holds for you? Man, what do I think? Or, <laughs> um, well, I have some goals in mind um, that I'm hoping to achieve next year with my music. I'm really focused um on getting my first grammy nomination um that has been something dear to me and you know i have a very 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 small team um music team that is supporting me and sometimes it, it's not the, the it's the quality and so we have been working diligently to um just keep pushing and getting me closer to that level where i can you know, get that nomination as an independent recording artist, you know, because I'm not a major label. So that is um, something that I'm working on. And also just to continue, you know, I want to go international um, performances. I want to broaden that and experience what that's like. And um, my music has been doing really great in the UK. So I'm really feeling like I'm going to get that call any moment now. And they're going to say, hey, can you come to the UK um, and do a show? And I want to be ready to go. <laughs> you plan on going to Grammys next year? I do. I I have a you know everybody has a vision board right now. That's a vision a new thing. Um, I've had a prayer wall, and I write out my prayers. Um, even my house that I'm sitting in that was on my prayer wall, and um, you know I am writing out my speech for the Grammys, and I'm writing out my prayer, although I've prayed it already, but I'm putting it on there as, um, you know, just uh, capture that prayer that this is something that I have before God, and I am believing that it's going to happen um, for me, yeah. so. Well, if you go, please take me with you, okay? I'd love to go with you. I know, I, I, I go to California for the Grammys, I might not come back. <laughs> Well, that's fine. That might be my transition period. Yeah, so like I said, I mean, this is so wonderful going to talk to you. I mean, learn more about your journey, your story. I support you, and I'm so glad that you, you know, we 
that you reach out to me. Okay, so um, how can we support you? Well, you know, I always like to put the disclaimer out there that us artists who are independent, who are not on major labels, supporting our music the same way that you support the major artists is crucially important for our success because you know because we're not on a major label we sometimes get the side eye right like oh who's that you're not on a major label but then when people hear our music and and they hear our performances they're like oh wow you should be on a major you know major label well we're not and because music has changed so much you don't really need it if you can you know afford the marketing and all that but i'm saying this to say support independent artists when we have a project out post the you know link to it share it just like you share you know beyonce's new releases you know for megan the stallion or somebody all i'm saying is if you have a family or a friend who's doing this pursuing this music thing support them you know tell 10 people about it you know, because it's so important for us, just as it is for the the other artists out there in the industry. Absolutely. So how can we hear your music online if you want to listen to you? Yeah, so um, they can stream it or download it on all those digital sites. Um, and anywhere you can. My website is michellebrookstompsonmusic.com. I have a fan page um, on Facebook also called Michelle Brooks Thompson. I like to be human with people, you know, to have that human interaction. And so I typically respond to people um, when they reach out. Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming and I can't always respond back right away. But um, I do do respond if people reach out. That's wonderful. Well, this is a blessing. Isn't it? Awesome. Nice, nice. Thank you. And and it's, it's okay. It's okay if you post the interview on YouTube and, and WBCS so people can see it. And that's okay. I get permission. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Hello, dear. This is the Jamin Show on WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston's local community meditation. My guest today is Jennifer McGill. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. It's good to see you on the show today. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got started on the Mickey Mouse Club, and I guess what you've what, what you been up to? Right. You know, the reason why you're probably asking me to interview is because I was a Mouseketeer on the Disney Channel's new Mickey Mouse Club uh, from the age of 10 years old through a senior in high school, so probably about 17 years old. And um, it was a big television show in many reasons, not only for my my personal self, but also for America and Canada and uh, later all over the world because it was um, revitalizing a really beautiful Disney tradition of family and being um, members of a club and, um, you know, not being alone, being a part of something bigger than yourself and giving back to the community. Um, and also, of course, all the music and the comedy skits and um, so much fun that we had together on the show and with our live studio audiences. Um, it made a big impact. And so I'm so excited to say that uh, we still have fans today and people are still curious about the show. But that is where I got my professional start. Um, believe it or not, some of the Mouseketeers, um, even in my age range, started working even before 10 years old. So I wasn't even uh, impressive in that way back then. But 
Um, since the new Mickey Mouse Club, I did um, get my Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater from New York University. And I really decided that I wanted to stay in the show business, but I had to carve out a path that felt right for me. And I have now, all these years later, after many tours and um, shows, I guess, all over the world and uh, lots of different kind of musical and audio projects, I've decided to become an executive at an artist development company. Yeah. And so now I'm part of a preparatory company who helps nurture young recording artists mm -hmm. and help, um, you know, polish everything that it takes to become, I would say, successful in this business. Um, this business has no guarantee, but we like to equip and nurture and encourage and really empower our artists from the inside out so that they have a better chance at, making a positive impact not only within themselves but on the industry and on all of the listeners okay. um, and make the world a better place one song at a time so that has made me very fulfilled and happy in recent years oh, to hear you know that's a blessing many more people people like yourself you know yeah and Thank you. Uh, so i heard that um that you that you met michael jackson you know, on, on set what was that like yeah did you did you say michael jackson yes he was actually the first i think I think he was the first celebrity I met uh, because he was hiding. He was hiding out when we had a big publicity meeting okay. in our Mickey Mouse Club set, and so nobody knew he was there. Mm. And I don't know why he he had come around to visit, um, but he wanted to stop in and give us some encouragement. You know, he wanted to stop in and say hi and say, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad you're doing this show. I really love what you're doing here. And he just wanted to encourage us. But I remember I, I ran out the door off the stage when we were waving goodbye to the media. And I almost ran right into him. And when I was 11 years old or so, he was very tall, you know, for my little 11 year old self. I think, it, I think now I would have been, nowadays, I think I would have been about the same height as Michael Jackson was. But at the time, he was quite, quite bigger than me and he just gently shook my hand and said hi i'm michael jackson and it was as if as if i you know wouldn't know that yeah. he was very personable and very gentle and very unassuming um and i really appreciated that about him and he just spoke very softly to us just for a few minutes and then that was it you know there wasn't a big like you know we didn't have cookies and kool-aid with him or hang out and take pictures i mean it was very private and very quick um and he did give each of us an autograph print um, oh. of himself and his autograph, you know, like to the Mouseketeers. And so that was super cool. You know, he, he was great. And we've done a lot of music on his, on, we've done a lot of his music on our show as well. I think my favorite one was probably uh, Black or White. Yeah. I want to say that we did that. Um, and I love how, maybe not because of Michael Jackson, but even just with the inspiration of that song, mm -hmm. how when we all look back and we've been talking about this in different conferences and stuff, mm -hmm. how much our show and our content was focusing on diversity and inclusion and, um, you know, opening up those minds. And I'm really, really grateful that I was part of something like that. It could have very easily gone the other way for me if I had kind of grown up under a rock, you know, and, and been more isolated. Um, so I'm really grateful for the way that my mind was continued to be opened and, and uh, inspired and, and shown that there's so much more to life than maybe like what my little life looks like. And so, you know, Michael Jackson and his music was part of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. He was the king of definitely the greatest entertainment in the world. So I was a big fan of his living. Yeah. So what was like so what is what was it like to meet to meet Celine Dion? Was she, was she nice? Celine Dion to me feels like a fairy godmother. She's just this happy little mm-hmm. bouncy diva, you know, who I know loves a lot of sparkle and she's and smiles all the time. Like I met her when I was about 16 years old at the Kennedy Center. We were all celebrating um, President Clinton's inauguration and we were doing a televised special for the youth and Will Smith was the host and Celine Dion was on the performance itinerary along with Boys to Men and some of us from the new Mickey Mouse Club and I think Kenny Loggins. Um, at the time, I didn't know who that was, but I knew all of his songs. I just didn't know his name. I was just in that weird age range where I, I didn't know who he was. But Vanessa Williams was there. And I was really excited about just all these people I was meeting. Um, but I remember I was going on uh, at, for the finale. So we were all going on. Mm-hmm. And I was just waiting in line to, to enter the stage. And I'd said to the person in front of me, I really hope I remember these words. Because I think it was a song we had all just learned. Mm-hmm together, you know, and just sort of throwing it out there. And I was nervous about forgetting whatever it was I was supposed to remember. And she tapped me on the shoulder and said, you are going to be wonderful. And she, she had, she was right behind me. So I was just like, thank you. You know, I, I just, you know, I don't know if it was because, um, she was new in the, like, I don't know if she has a reputation that's anything other than just really, really sweet. But I know now that she was in the middle of her career, that she had been a child recording star and had gotten so much accomplished um, in Canada. And I had probably quickly gone out either right before or right after that by all of her French albums. So I am a huge Celine Dion fan. And it's not just because of that moment, but I like to remember her that way, that she's still like that. Just so kind and encouraging to anybody. Absolutely. She was, she was definitely is a wonderful singer. I saw in concert, she was so wonderful. I'm like, wow. What advice can you give artists that want to be a singer? Oh, like, like myself, you know, I want to sing, you know. So for sure, let's say you're looking at a big dream. Like I want to go be, you know, like my, one of my first dreams was I want to be Whitney Houston, right? Yep. Let's just say you have some big, big dream like that. For someone like that, I would say that you really have to look beyond some sort of um, point where you become famous. Like if you're trying to do this to become famous, mm-hmm. I think that that word is a little small uh, in the way that we think there's just this one moment that when we become famous, then all the problems are solved or uh, we've proven everything we need to prove. Um, it takes a lot of work and a lot of focus and a lot of strategizing. And honestly, the hardest part is the sacrifice mm-hmm. to possibly become famous. And then once you reach that pinnacle, it is a struggle to refigure out what your identity is and how you're going to maintain or get off of that pedestal gracefully throughout the rest of your career. It is a lot of work. And I think when a lot of people really get, get in, dig deep into that path, They realize, I don't know if this is my calling, you know? So I like to not start out anybody who has a dream to sing or, you know, I guess the big one like Whitney Houston. Don't start out trying to shoot for fame. I would tell them what I would tell you. I want you to find what's, what's the light in your voice or the experience of singing. What makes it fun for you? Uh, what do you like about it? What is scary? You know, kind of op- open yourself up to be aware of, of the highs and lows of singing. 
And then think about, you know, is this a hobby or is this a calling, right? Because if it's a hobby, you can stay very simple in your enjoyment of singing. Get a local voice teacher. The big idea is to sing free where you don't feel like it hurts and you don't feel like you're over trying. You know, it should feel like an extension of you, like breathing out or like calling across the parking lot. And it should feel joyous, right? You should keep the fun in it. If it's a hobby and like you enjoy it in your community, keep the fun in it. But yeah, study, make sure you're healthy, get with a local vocal coach, totally fine. If you feel that it's a calling that is for a career, then you need a great team, you know, and with PCG artist development, where I am working now, that's a big team. That, that is a, that's a big commitment, but there are many, I, I would say landmarks or uh, what is it? Stepping stones along the way. Let's say you start with a local vocal coach and then maybe you start Googling. Are there any other bigger vocal coaches that start having more connections in the business? Or maybe you start attending some virtual or in-person conferences, right? Start making connections because the sad thing is, I mean, I, I would say that because I am an introvert, which nobody believes, but because I am an introvert, the hardest thing to do is to make those connections in show business if you're not an extrovert, right? So I encourage everybody to try to conquer your fear and make those connections. Ask the questions. If you don't ask the question, the answer will always be no, right? So become fearless, work on your vocal health, build your team. And last but not least, if you want to make it a serious career, you've got to embrace social media mm -hmm. uh, promotions and marketing, which is a whole other thing that unless it's a calling, there's no point in me even talking about it. But um, social media is a thing. And if you want to get with the record label, or if you want proof of concepts, you got to have the numbers online, which anybody in the industry who is not in digital media is really sad about that. You know, we don't, we don't ever want it to not be about talent, right? I encourage everybody to make a joyful noise. It just doesn't mean it's going to be some big career move, but I think singing should, should have joy and light in it. I think that like my church roots taught me that and um, just how I, how I feel about God and the breath of God and just, you know, making the joyful noise, all of that. I think, I think that I've been fighting very hard in the last decade or two to, to really reconnect with the fun and the joy of singing so that I can make sure that I keep that alive for my students and my clients, you know? Um, so yes, I would love to hear you sing. That sounds awesome. Yes, because we actually met at Danny's concert. Oh, that was a lot. You know, I really, I'm so glad I got to sing those songs. I've never sung those songs before in public. I don't think I might've sung the Whitney Houston song. Well, yeah. um, okay. But yeah. not, you know, not in public. So, Oh, but that Fuji song, I yes. know that they're both remakes. I understand that they're both remakes, but that was just, that was my jam. And I knew I wasn't alone. I knew that anybody who was coming to our after party at 90s con was going to enjoy that song. And um, I chose the I'm Every Woman song uh, because it was Women's Month. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I had to keep it, I had to keep it real. So yeah, I had so much fun there. I'm really glad you could be there. Well, it was, it was an honor to shake your hand and meet you. So I was definitely, I was good. Dr. McKinnis came over to TLC. I mean, it was one. I might be a star. It was so much fun. I know there were, there were people walking around back in the green room that yeah. I was geeking out about. And honestly, mm -hmm. I was way more shy than I, than I wanted to be. So next year, if I get to go back, yeah. I'm going to be braver. I'm going to okay. take my advice.
Okay, I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely going back next year too, so I look forward to seeing yeah. you. I'll be there. I know, I'm excited. I can't, can't wait, you know, yeah. So my question to you is, what is, what is it like for, for, you, for you to be famous? What, what's, what's the famous being like for you? Right, and that's such an interesting question because, you know, if I were to ask you, I'm, I'm actually curious, you know, what was, what was elementary school like? What was going to school like? For me, um, it was well, sort of hard. I used, I used to quit down. But I was like, a, you know, I wasn't really popular, so I used to get fit on sometimes. But then high school got, got a little better, but elementary school was kind of happening, you know, because. Yeah. And so what's interesting about your answer is that you talked about your feelings during that time versus what is it like to go to school? Mm-hmm. Um, not that, that, that they're exclusive, right? But I feel the same way about the whole idea of being famous. I don't know the other version of like, let's say if you didn't go to school, I don't know what it's like to not have the Mouseketeer label in my life. But I do remember feeling very much like you did in school where I had my years where I felt awkward or, or not very popular. And then I had other years where I felt like, you know what, this is getting better. This is getting better. And so that's kind of the same. I would say whether you're famous or not, you really go through all of those kid emotions, it's just maybe the environment or the responsibility or the pressure that you may feel could be different, you know, from person to person. But um, with fame, I don't believe that I was like super famous. I, I even, I even hesitate to say famous, but because you're saying it, it there's got to be some truth in that. You know, I was, I was very well known with anyone who watched the Disney Channel, I guess. And it is true when I go outside. I think about what does my hair look like? What am I wearing? Um, If someone comes up to me in Walmart and just to ask any question, I'm ready just in case it's, hey, are you Jennifer McGill from the Mickey Mouse Club? Sometimes it's not, you know, but I'm always kind of on and prepared to be the show version of myself. And I think that there, there can be some sadness in that, that I, I really don't ever feel like maybe I'm enough mm-hmm. just as, I don't know, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most um, showbiz kids feel the same way that we have uh, struggles with identity when we're not being productive because we grew up thinking that our value is in what we can give to other people, you know? But I don't think if we really break down how all that feels, I don't think it's that different from anybody else. Um, cause I don't know what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes, but I also think that fame feels yeah. very similar to other people's kind of pressure. I think it depends on your fear of what other people think of you, because I think there's some famous people who just don't care. They're yeah. just living their lives and they're rock stars and they're just killing it. And yeah. I think there are probably most of us who care what people think about them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, I know that's a long answer. But I don't. Well, hello there. This is the J Man Show on WBCA 102.9 FM, Boston's local community radio station. They're just killing it. And yep. I think there are probably most of us who care what people think about them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, I know that's a long answer, but I don't really feel famous. Oh. I feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. But don't necessarily feel famous. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I'm not more famous. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that would have been harder. <laughs> uh-huh. I see. Okay. Oh, that's a wonderful answer. I'm glad to hear you 
told me that, you know, that's, you know. I, yeah, it's all relative. I really enjoy what fame has brought me in my career so that I can be elevated to help other people. I, I, I love that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've had to fall in love again with mm -hmm. the awkward little girl that I saw myself as on the Mickey Mouse Club when it first started. And that was very difficult. It was really difficult. But you know what I'm grateful for even in that? That I have that much video footage of myself from back then to go back and fall in love with myself, you know, to really love on that little girl who was just trying to figure out life, you know, as a slightly pudgy 12 year old, just trying to figure it out, mm -hmm. you know, and I felt really awkward in my life. And I did, I just didn't know what to do or like how to be cool. But you know what? Like I look back on that young lady now and I see her in my clients, you know, I see her all around me mm -hmm. and I love that I can put that connection together and and go you know what that girl was awesome like look what she accomplished and look what she was all about you know and i'm still that i'm still that person so it's it fame is what you do with it how about that that's my quote fame is what you do with it i said that myself you're still awesome i still watch you on tv you know i grew up watching yeah so you're still you're still awesome you're doing a great job thank you so what part is, so what are you what are you, are you working on right now any, any new coming out any songs coming out so i'm not working on my own music right now Honestly, I'm really enjoying doing other projects for other artists. I'm actually doing a lot of video editing right now, which sounds kind of funny. Just the fact, you know, that I'm a singer, but I'm, I love, I love video production. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm way better at video production than I am at being on the knobs and the buttons for sound production. I know what I, what I can tell the engineer and I know how to coach the client, but I'm not the one to get in there and start piecing everything together with video. I really love the puzzle pieces that is editing. And it, I find that I watch more movies and television shows for the editing. Um, and so it's just kind of a, a newer passion for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing a lot of lyric videos and editing for clients, as well as all my other classes with live show performance and vocal performance, etc. cetera. Um, so for myself though, I am in the middle of offering a pen pal subscription through my website. You can find it in my store where I get to write back and forth with my fans and I call them my family. Mm -hmm. And um, I have different levels. The pen pal level is the highest where you write back and forth and I write you once a month. Yeah. And then I also have um, one called McGill Musings that is like a, like a blog, but I don't post it in public. I just send it to my subscribers. It's just for them. Um, and so I'm working on that and I'm working on a new piece of merchandise that's a big secret. It's very, very near and dear to my heart. It does have to do with a song but it's not a new song. And so um, I'm hoping to release that close to like maybe September. I mean, you know, I'd love to release it in the fall long before Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, we'll just see. So that, that is, I suppose the one personal, you know, personal piece of art that I'm working on now is a, a new something for my, for my merchandise. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it when it comes up. So what inspires you? What gives you inspiration and hope? I mean, for sure, like my foundation is is always God. And I, you know, as I've gotten older, I think with everybody this probably happens. You know, the way that you visualize God and all of the pieces that we can even wrap our brain around having to do with God, uh, the visions change. And um, right now, God is here and Jesus is here and Holy Spirit is here. And I kind of, um, have different relationships, you know, with the Trinity, if you will. And, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm serious. Just like I went back and fell in love with the little girl version of myself. I have this, um, it's not new anymore, but it's new in my adult life. I, I'm just so in love with what Jesus did. And I, I really, I can't talk about it without kind of tearing up the idea that Jesus came to show us how to love each other, like just that idea in and of itself, that he came to save us. And I believe that he has saved us in more ways than maybe we're all focusing on in this world right now. You know, I think there's a lot of division. And when I feel overwhelmed and when I feel like hopelessness is starting to settle in, I focus on what Jesus did. And I think about the love that he would show any child, any human coming to sit on his lap or to sit beside him. Um, And what those conversations would be with the people in my life that maybe are the most difficult to deal with, even the people that we don't like very much. How would Jesus treat them? And it really centers me and fills me full of hope and love and light and joy and all the things that I would like to feel. And that refuels me to help go out and kind of do that process of love God, love yourself and love others. It helps me do everything, including take better care of myself in order to help and love other people even more. So I I can't skirt around that. That absolutely is, you know, not that you're asking me to, but it's, that is the center of, of my being. And, um, yeah, I've been through so many, so many ups and downs in my life and that hasn't changed. So I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Um, I don't really, you know, I love nature. So I would say that like my dog and my best friends and, you know, someday hoping to live in a tree house kind of keeps me going. So how did COVID affect you? You know, that, and you'd think that would be an easy question. Like, yes, the pandemic was hard for me. That's the, that's the big answer. Yes. The pandemic was super scary. And I, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of blessing within the, the construct of an isolation and a, a pandemic. Um, I have family who had a house in a really open space of America where there weren't a lot of people. And so, uh, we were able to go there and live for a few months mm-hmm. and just, um, I could work from there. You know, everything went to virtual, of course. Yeah. So, um, I was able to connect with family, be around more open spaces and be around nature. Um, it was scary what was going on as far as the news and, and you know, what you see on the TV. And um, when you started hearing that people that you know were passing, um, I did not have anybody um, in my immediate family or in my immediate friends who passed, but plenty of uh, acquaintances and, you know, dear friends and relatives of people that I, I love. So it, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of trauma. Um, but the surprise for me, and maybe it's because I'm a silver lining person. Maybe it's because I'm a certain kind of blessed that I can't understand. Cause this is definitely not something that like I just did, but I found that it was easier for me to kind of um, kind of clear my desk, so to speak, my life desk to clear my desk and to only bring back onto my life desktop, mm-hmm. the thing that really mattered that gave me that light and that joy and that fueling to do more in the ways that I wanted to do more. I started saying no more and COVID gave me the permission mm-hmm. in the beginning because I'm, I'm afraid to say no to a lot of people. I used to be. 
uh, I was a people pleaser. And you know what? That's really common. You know, there's a lot of people probably, you know, watching and listening who would consider themselves people pleasers. And we can be wrapped up in this game of yes. And we've overextended ourselves and we're overscheduled and we're harried and we are pressured. And it becomes a nuisance to interact with people, you know, when you're just so overwhelmed and so uh, bogged down with responsibility. And when I cleared that life desk during isolation, I was able to come back and really just focus on the bits and pieces of my life that I felt mattered most as far as the impact of the world and how I could serve, but also to be the best person I could be starting with self-care. And so I, I can't say that I'm thankful for COVID at all. But I saw a way to come back stronger because of the isolation. And during that time, because there were other political issues or uh, stories coming out that were, uh, you know, bringing different highlighting and different pressures to uh, not new problems, right? But because I felt so helpless with all of that as well, I decided that the best thing I could do was use my music to help. And so I started doing virtual concerts Mm -hmm. and I would raise money for the NAACP, the No Kid Hungary charity, um, Pastors Discipleship Network. um, And there were a few, the Alzheimer's Association, we worked with them too. And so, you know, I just started, you know, singing and and bringing together, you know, my family, this, this group of people who enjoyed coming together and, you know, enjoying the music that I presented, you know, keeping it nineties or from my album or like Mickey Mouse club cover songs, et cetera, for the most part. And I'd theme every concert and people would give, and I would, you know, give out prizes based on, you know, it was like a game, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm able to give, you know, all this money to these organizations that I know want to make a difference in the current climate of the world. And so I, I feel like a, a lot of lemonade came out of this lemon, but I, again, I can't, I can't say that I was, uh, that I am or was grateful for COVID or um, excited about that time. I know it's not fully over yet, but I am glad that we know more now. Well, hello there. This is the J-Man Show on WBCA 102.9 F. Boston's local community radio station.